Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to the What Footballs podcast. My name is Matt Messiano. Alongside me, as usual, is football analyst Jordan Weimer. And it's a very warm welcome back to football journalist Tom Bader. How are you doing, Tom? I'm very well. Thank you for having me back, chaps. Good stuff. Did you happen to catch yourself on the last Watford pod? Uh, did you... What, did you put me in on the last one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> oh, really? Which one? Uh, Newcastle, I think. Newcastle. Newcastle. Oh, Newcastle. I listened to Norwich and you mentioned me in that, but I didn't listen to Newcastle yet. Oh, oh so I will. Uh, we were just a bit cheeky. We just, um, we, we, oh, okay. I, I, stuck, I stuck you uh, answering <laughs> hello in the... Uh, <laughs> okay, I should listen to that. Obviously, we never came to you because you weren't there. But anyway, um, thanks for joining us this time. Tom. Pleasure. Um, Jordan, are, are you okay? Are you, you well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All good, mate. Excellent. Good stuff. Let's get into it then. Now, we're recording this podcast after hearing the breaking news of Zisco Manus sacking. And well, rest assured, we'll delve into that deeper shortly. But let's start with perhaps one of the things which has resulted in Zisco's uh, eventual dismissal. And that was the performance versus Leeds yesterday. Um, Watford made changes, arguably putting out their strongest side available with recalls for the likes of Shirauta. But despite it being just a one goal game, Leeds outplayed us, probably could have scored more. And in general, Watford were pretty poor, Jordan. Yeah, I thought we were we were very poor um, from start to finish. Really, I just thought I thought we were pretty off the pace, and I think all of our fears um, in regards to kind of how things were going to go in that game were realised from the start. Honestly, um, we turned up and we just didn't look prepared at all. Um, we looked again, we looked reactive, and we looked all these things that we had discussed in previous games, which which concerned us in regards to playing the teams around us. And I think personally, I think it's particularly concerning when you come up against a team like Leeds who are there's such a talked about known quantity. Yes, what they do is interesting. It's unique in, in a lot of ways, but um, everyone knows kind of the fundamentals of how Leeds play. Um, and even just based on that, we didn't even seem to have any sort of uh, any sort of plan to kind of counter it or at least put ourselves in a better position to come away with a, with a win. We just kind of went out there and went to see what happened. It felt like um, maybe that's obviously being a bit reductionist, but that's what it came across like on the pitch because quite frankly, we were miles off it. Yeah, Ben Foster alluded to that after the game. He did a couple of interviews and, you know, speaking to, to Match of the Day, you know, he said that, um, that they were way off the off the pace and, and um, you know, he, he even felt that they didn't get a shot on target, which, um, you know, if, he, if he's thinking that, uh, that they didn't even get a shot on target, then that's probably not a... Not not that great. No, no, I, no, it's not. And it's, it's it's kind of even, like, even deeper than that is you're playing against a team that's going to press you in awkward positions and, and look to find space in areas that other teams don't, but you should be aware of that. And instead, we... We just we fall into that trap. We we lose in possession at the back. We're we try to play out into areas we shouldn't. Um, we, we've got no control in midfield. We look lackluster out wide. We um, wish down so easily, and it's just you've got no chance of winning uh, in those sorts of games when it, when it comes to that. Because I know we had a goal ruled out, which seemed a little bit unfair actually. Um, but you know, regardless of that, the, the performance is so poor. Leeds should have comfortably scored a few more goals, and we should have been further off the uh, further out of the picture earlier on. Um, I don't think you can just chalk this down to players not being. Look, the players weren't weren't great today or yesterday, sorry. But you also have to put them into position to to succeed. Um, I know there are some simple kind of 
elements that weren't going right. I've kind of had a few comments about this on Twitter in, in terms of just players picking up the ball and passing and moving into space, but it, these make it very difficult for you. We know these players are capable. We've seen them be capable in, in, in the Championship, also in the Premier League in, in, against Villa, for example. Even even in other games, we've, we've shown that we can um, do those basics. It's not like we've got a bunch of bad footballers here. It's a decent squad. Uh, the, the difference is how you're going to kind of counter that opposition and Yesterday, I, I thought was one of the clearer examples. That and still the Brighton game for me really stick out of two, as two examples that that show how far we are away from being competitive. Mm. Managers get sacked for, for all sorts of reasons, Jordan. One of the, the big things that often uh, ends a manager's stay is that people say that the players aren't playing for him. Now, in this case, I don't feel that that, that was the case. I think it's more no. to do with the perhaps the naivety or, or just the lack of experience that um, that Cisco is is showing. And I guess it maybe wasn't picked up so much in the championship with Watford, who had a much you know higher quality squad than some of the other teams in that division. But in the Premier League, you know the the cracks are, are really visible. Yeah, it's it's a it's a very different thing. Um, <clears throat> we discussed this before, but I think I think when he came in, it was such a it, when he came in the championship, it was such a crucial element that was missing, especially with the the hangover of Vivic. I think the quality of our squad was clear. Um, we were arguably the best squad in the league. We just needed someone to push us in the right direction, and you didn't have to be quite as nailed on with with your kind of setup as you as you as you do now, just based on the fact that we could go out there with our game plan and look to win games through overpowering the opposition with quality and creating chances. We were able to do that. Um, made some slight tweaks in some of the games against Norwich, but for the most part, we were able just to dominate um, a lot of these fixtures. And it's a different thing completely because you get promoted and you have to. You have to be a little bit more astute. You have to find different ways of winning. You can't go into the same match of the game plan. Um, you have to look at the opposition a little bit more thoroughly. Um, it might just not. It might not just be Cisco. It might be kind of you know the whole staff in general. You have to. You have to use your staff first. So you have to make sure they're the right staff. I'm not questioning whether they are or not. In a sense, I'm just pointing out all these elements that could could play into it because clearly um, we weren't prepared. And maybe they were feeding Cisco the right information. He just didn't want to didn't want to use it or didn't know how to kind of get that into the team and, and how to kind of push us forward by using that extra information or whatever it is. But um, clearly, clearly we're not making the, the adjustments we have to be to to kind of be going into these games with a real chance of winning and coming away, especially away from home with points because we were abject and we were really just off the pace in general. Um, it, it's not good enough for a team at this level. Uh, and I don't criticise Cisco in a lot of ways. I think it's... It's, an, it's a job early on in his, in his career for him, and I understand that it's not it's not easy. There's a lot of lot of change going on, um, and obviously I give I give him a lot of credit for what he did in the championship. But clearly, this isn't really a fit right now, and it's just not what we need, unfortunately. Mm. Um, Tom, let's bring yourself in here now. Um, you, you tweeted out actually uh, something 21 hours ago from from what I'm reading on Twitter. You're saying now I'm not saying get rid of uh, Zisco, but um, you have to worry for him at Watford FC, given everything we know about the club's refusal to accept mediocrity. Um, and uh, it seems as though they have decided uh, they're not going to accept mediocrity uh, and they've they've made the uh, decision to, to get rid of him. I guess you're not surprised, Tom. Yeah, no, not surprised at all. Sad because, um, you know, he gave us a lot of, he gave us great memory, albeit not, you know, what it might have been because we weren't, in the ground and what have you last season but you know he achieved something that very few Watford managers have achieved down the years so he you know deserves all the credit that he got for that and so on but you can't um, you can't ignore history and everything that's gone before with with the football club under Pozzo ownership and uh, you know we know it's become a you know it's almost become a running joke hasn't it that you know you better watch out if it's not going well around those international breaks your, your neck's going to be on the on the shopping block, and, and so it's proven. I'm actually a little bit surprised that the axe fell after yesterday's uh, result and performance, but uh, given kind of the goodwill he had in the bank and the fact we you know we have got points, but I think you have to say, knowing what we know now after seven games of the season um, or whatever it's been, you know we 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 caught what has proven to be a very decent Aston Villa team on the hop on the opening day and we beat a very, very poor Norwich team, a very, very poor Norwich team, you know, with the run of fixtures that we've got coming, they, it's that point of having, it's not even accepting mediocrity to be fair. It's accepting being in serious trouble or not. And you just can't, you cannot, the most optimistic Watford fan, I'd like to think I am 
more and i'm kind of on the optimistic end of of uh the scale than i am pessimistic these days i really would uh even the most optimistic Wolf fans not looking at that run we've got now until the start of december and saying oh yeah we're going to come through that and pick up a, a number of points that will keep us out of the you know the clutches of the relegation zone it might not changing manager might you know might not have any impact but you've got to try something and and that's the, the decision i think they've ultimately boiled it down to Tom, what do you think the, the the main reason for for Cisco being in this position was? You know, it's not a case of losing the dressing room, is it? By the sounds of it, they all seem to be you know bought into what he's trying to do, or him as a person and a personality. You know, we don't seem to be getting kind of dissenting voices or or what have you. It's not. I don't. I don't think it's a case of being a, a terrible squad by any means. I, you know. I feel like we've recruited reasonably well, but I think what you have to look at for me, there are, there are two things is one, the, uh, the selections I just have found a bit baffling at, at times. I mean, I tweeted yesterday, if you've been combing my Twitter feed, I felt like this was probably our strongest 11, um, give or take on, on Jao Pedro, uh, probably our, str- our strongest 11 for the first time this season. You know, we had, we had our best right back at right back. Danny Rose has obviously been very good at left back. I liked the look of the midfield and so on to have Saar, Dennis and King up front. I like, you know, I like the shape of that. Ben Foster, I've got no qualms with him being back in. So I thought, yeah, this is our, our strongest 11. But up until this point, there have been some questionable decisions. So that's the one thing. It doesn't matter what team you put out in that game. I think if you look at that lineup from the first, from from three, uh, from two o'clock, and you saw that lineup come out, I think based on what we had available, I think for the most part you could say that was our strongest team on the day, or you'd at least feel pretty confident that was at least one of our strongest uh, options we had. And still, still we weren't anywhere near it. Um, <clears throat> when I was discussing yesterday on Twitter about co- about the coaching side of things and. Someone commented and said, "You know, you've got the you've got the players up there. Is coaching really that big big of a factor?" And yeah, it's absolutely massive around this level, especially because the further you get down the table, you're looking for those fine margins. You have to look uh, for opportunities to win points, and it doesn't just come from going there and being a better team. Because so many of these teams are around the same level when it comes to squad quality. Um, you've got to find those fine margins, and that comes from your stuff you do off the field. It comes from you doing training. It comes from all this preparation that goes into this game. Um, it, it becomes, you know, it becomes a, it comes an arms race effectively. Um, who can find these edges and who can find these other ways to win? And if you're not putting in a hundred percent to that degree, uh, to that on that side of things, that to factor in that side of things, then you're going to fall away. Doesn't matter how good your quality is in the pitch; these players can be just as good as these players. They could be better, but coaching makes a hell of a difference. And if you don't, if you don't do it, then you're not going to be competitive. And I think that's kind of the situation we fall in. It's not. I'm not saying Cisco's even a bad coach. Um, I'm not talking about the work he does on the training ground because that can be a little bit different. We're talking about how you prepare the, for these games and how you make adjustments in-game, pre-game, uh, and kind of on a match-by-match basis rather than having this general idea of how we're going to play. That's how we go out and just kind of see what happens, which I know is re- re- being quite reductionist in terms of what he does because we don't know. We're not in there every day and we're not, we, we don't exactly know. But... From what we've seen in the pitch, there doesn't seem to be any indication there was much more than that. His um, his kind of ability to change games and affect games, you know, I think that's been the biggest kind of question mark, isn't it? And I, I saw one person yesterday tweet, you know, have we ever seen a game where Chisco has kind of changed the, the pattern of the match or the outcome of the match with uh, a tactical change or a substitution or something? And I mean, I haven't watched many games this season, so you know I'm not the best place to judge this this season. But even last season, you would have to say I think the games that we won more often than not, we were just the better team with better individuals from the outset. But if we weren't, or if we weren't playing well, you know, it's very rare that we did something to change uh, that. But the kind of results papered over that probably. To add salt into into the wound of of the performance yesterday, Jordan Watford also picked up two. Uh, injuries to key players, Joshua King and, and Serralta. Um, wh- what do we know about those injuries and, and how bad did they look at the time, Jordan? I don't think we know too, too much about it. My, I mean, I'm concerned personally. I think the way Josh King landed it didn't, wasn't a good landing at all. Um, it, I, I should speak to my, my buddy, actually, that injury mechanisms account on Twitter. He'd probably have a better idea. But um, the landing on Josh King did not look nice. I think you can have some quite traumatic knee injuries that are going to keep you out for a while and still walk off the pitch. So 
I'd be a little bit concerned about that one. Um, I imagine they're probably scanning it yesterday and we'll find out. Um, but that could easily be a few weeks just looking at the, the fallout of that. Hopefully it's not. Um, and then Syriata, well, like a hamstring as well, didn't it? Um, mm. Not as well, like a hamstring. But not, <laughs> just not ideal. You've got your, you've got your defender running back, uh, running back towards goal, has to stretch, can't get that pass off and you know knock it out of play after he pulls the hamstring. Just a bad, bad, bad look. Um, I don't like it, especially with the the amount of centre-backs we have available. Um, if we're talking, I mean, I think we probably jinxed it in the last conversation we had in this podcast. We talked about centre-back availability and we said, well, Siviata is out of the team uh, for other reasons, but he's the one that you'd kind of, if you had to say one that wouldn't be picking up these injuries, you'd probably say him. But of course, yeah, of course it's Siviata and then suddenly you're bringing in there. Uh, you're bringing in Cabaselli, you're bringing in Cathcart, and you've you've got three centre backs available that have got quite a torrid history of uh, of injury, especially that soft tissue stuff. Keeps them out for three or four weeks at a time, so we could be in a real sticky situation with that. Um, but that's the gamble we took. Uh, so that, yeah, just one, as you say, more salt in the wound to quite a frustrating day. Um, hopefully, hopefully back soon. But look, if Syriata's playing next week, is not 100 percent fit. I guarantee you that. Jordan, from the outside in. Um... And we've already started getting uh, the criticism that usually comes. People will say, "Look, you've uh, you know you've got seven points uh, from seven games. That's not bad." Uh, I mean, high-profile people. Michael Owen has uh, has tweeted <laughs> saying that um, you know uh, what you're doing, guys. Basically, uh, yeah. I, I, that's not his word for word, but he he basically thinks that uh, we've. It's made more mistake. eloquent than what he put, I think, honestly. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, shall I read out exactly what he what, what he put? Yeah, yeah. Let's, sure. let's read it out, shall we? Always fun to to find out what Michael Owen thinks about little old Watford. Michael Owen has said, appointed 10 months ago, gains immediate promotion to the Premier League, collects a very respectable seven points from the first seven games, then gets sacked. Standard practice for Watford. Now, on the face of it, you can you, you can look at that, and if you don't know anything about about Watford or, or the or the performances that um, that we've seen, you could say, ah. Yeah, what you know, what what for doing? But yeah, I think it's we mentioned this in in previous pods as well that um, no one really knows their club like the fans know their club, and you know, I think you should really test or um, any uh, any decision by looking at what the fans' responses to it. And I can't see many fans who are holding their hands up here and saying, "Actually, I wanted Cisco to stay." There's a couple, but it's the minority, isn't it, Jordan? Oh yeah, hundred percent. And that's the thing that you have a, you have these pundits, and some are former players, some aren't. But I think especially the former players, they think they, they have some t- divine right to opinion or knowledge on a given matter because they played the game at a high level. But I mean, ultimately, you're not if you're not watching the performances, then you're you're not kind of in a position to kind of comment with any sort of real firm belief because. It's a nuanced sport. It's not as simple as a league table. Everyone knows that. And if you, I mean, players that have played themselves should also know that. There are so many factors that go into it, so many elements. And to to boil it down to seven points out of seven games, okay. Well, then what if you're what if you're a Watford owner and you're looking at this and and thinking, okay, we're very fortunate to have seven points out of seven games. We're on a downward spiral. Where do we go from here? Are we are we going to get seven points out of the next seven games, or are we going to get one? Now, it's just such a very it's such a very simplistic. Um, just broad view of a of a complex situation, which is honestly all that all that we really get from those pundits. So, I think listening to them in any capacity is kind of a little bit <laughs> done in vain because there's not really much to draw from it, especially from uh, those such as Michael Owen, who just don't really seem to put the effort in, or or even really care enough. They're just obligated in some capacity to comment on the goings on in the league, regardless of if they're actually informed or not. Mm-mm. Now the uh, the bookies haven't, uh, haven't waited around in, in putting their odds together for the potential new suitors, and some re- re- very uh, reputable sources, including Fabrizio Romano, have, have have already come out and said it's it's almost nailed on that Claudio Ranieri is going to be the the, the next uh, man in in the Watford uh, suits. He uh, he's got bundles of experience, Jordan and and Tom, and and, and you know just reading for the list of clubs, he's managed Chelsea, Juventus, Roma. Atletico Madrid, and of course, in this country, is best known for taking Leicester City to the Premier League title a few years ago. I mean, does this feel like um, it, it's going to be a good appointment if this is the case? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's probably it's an upgrade, and the things we're asking for it's definitely an upgrade in that capacity. Um, I think it's in some ways not the most inspiring, but I think we kind of in, we can also maybe understand wanting to be a little bit safer. I think 
if this was a decision that was being made at the beginning of the season, I think it would be a different feeling to when we're seven games in, even though it is seven games. Um, you, you're not kind of bringing, bringing that match. It's got that pre-season and got that time to kind of bed in a little bit more. You want something with a little bit more of a, an instant impact and some a little bit, maybe just to kind of settle things down and, and go back to not not basics necessarily, but bring in some of those factors we need installed into this team um, quite quickly. And, and Ranieri's got, you know, obviously plenty of experience. I'm sure he's able to do that and quite confident in his his ideas and how he gets them across. Um there's, I think it, it's it's a sensible decision in some ways. I wouldn't say it's nailed on to be um, overly successful, but um, you can definitely see the rationale behind it. Tom? Yeah. I'm very wary of making a very strong statement either way about Claudio Ranieri, and I think we all know why, because, you know, Gary Lineker, who I see, has obviously managed to get a dig in about us. Um, has he already? Yeah, yeah, already managed. Yeah, well done, um, insufferable twat. Um, <laughs> he, you know, obviously made a, a pretty strong statement about his club, Leicester, appointing Ranieri, and it obviously went spectacularly well for them. So I think it's quite hard to judge, and also the kind of the jobs he's taken in recent years have been, you know, sort of very varying challenges from club to club. It's not like you could go, oh, he's a a specialist firefighter, really. You, you know, he's kind of done some some weird and wonderful things down the years, really. It's been kind of since he left Chelsea, I think, it's been almost, you know, short-term jobs everywhere, but for, for different reasons. So I can't, I, I can't say with any great conviction, oh, yeah, I think that's a great appointment. I think it's a bad appointment. What I would say is um, he evidently can motivate a group of players. He is evidently very experienced, uh, you know, he has managed big clubs, big names, big personalities. I, I'd, I'd, I'm always reticent to use this argument or, or, you know, hold any weight with this argument, but he does know the Premier League very well as well. So I guess on the face of it, there are worse managers. And, and to be honest with you, it's not like we are a club. We're not, we're not saying we're getting into bed with him for three years, are you? Well, we, he's going to do 18 months absolute tops if we get We him. don't get into bed for three years of anybody, Tom. Exactly. That's it. Exactly. That's it. Exactly. We're a, we're so, a, we're a, we're a bachelor football club. Really, aren't we? That's it. The, the smart money says, the smart money says he won't see 2022 with Watford uh, or is as likely not to see 2022 with Watford as he is to see the start of next season. You just, just, you can't, you got, it's not a long time. Hopefully, you'll see Jaguar twenty twenty three too, John. I would hope so, but <laughs> you just got, to, you've got as Watford fans, you just got, you just got to kind of embrace this as the way of the club, haven't you? And I think most of us do. So yeah, I, I, I can never get too hit up about debating appointments. Look, I don't think we're necessarily be looking to appoint a long term match. I think maybe, obviously, a, a lot of people, you know, myself included, to some extent, would, would rather see us kind of bring in something a little bit more exciting and kind of give us some more um, kind of, yeah, just excitement coming into these, these these next games. And I think Ranieri, you look at it and be like, okay, we'll get, we'll get through to this season, hopefully stay up and then we can re- we can go again in the summer. Um, I think obviously some fans want someone to come in and be a little bit more expansive and maybe someone that's going to be around for a little bit longer, hopefully, um, and, and try and be a bit more positive. But, you know, this is, this is perhaps what's necessary. And I think, Given how we've handled things previously and what we did last time in the Premier League, um, around a similar point of the season with with bringing back Flores, um, I think we have to try and find a little bit more balance because that was that was as far as you can go in the wrong directions, I think, as possible when it comes to bringing back Flores. So this one has to be a little bit more carefully managed. And I think Ranieri, uh, he's been on our radar before, hasn't he? I'm sure that there's been some sort of interest in him and discussion with him previously as well. Um, so it's not surprising although i will say as well we, we he is favorite and that does sound like we're in talks with him but you never know with us it could it yeah, could easily it be, could be someone different um i know diego martinez is someone that's been talked about as well and perhaps someone that's apparently in the area i don't know if that's just true or if i'm just falling for a stupid joke here but um someone that is available um and someone that is also kind of somewhat known um, to the pot so so who knows there's, there's other options for us and we, we maybe aren't too tied to one just yet I think we'd be naive to be talking to just one manager at a time because we know how these things can fall apart um, having said that the fact that it supposedly is going to be someone appointed today would indicate that it's one person because you know you're not going to be guaranteed to 
bring someone in on the, on the particular day. If it's more than one, I wouldn't have thought. Um, they very rarely yeah. dismiss someone without having someone lined up, do they, Jordan? That's no. I, well, I mean, look, as soon as, say, Ranieri comes in, then the work on the next work on that successor will be underway. You're always looking at play, uh, always looking at replacement coaches the same way as you're always looking for players. I mean, the second you sign a player, you're looking for their replacement because you have to you have to accommodate for these situations when they arise and you'd be doing yourself a disservice not to be prepared. Um, so, yeah, this is an e- Ranieri would be an easy appointment in terms of just kind of slipping him in and it's, you know, it's not too much, not too much difficulty to assess, to find him and to, to decide to bring him in. Um, but yeah, it, it's maybe not perhaps the exciting or um, little kind of the tonic we need to some poor football earlier on in the season. Mm. Now, it's not been confirmed, so you know I'm not surprised if you haven't got uh, loads of stats on him right now at your at your feet. But do either of you happen to know how Ranieri likes to play? What his favoured formation is, or, or 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 you know what what he can bring that that Zisco couldn't to this team? Well, well I think I mean four two, doesn't he? Yeah, it's he, his his approach has been fairly consistent, honestly. Um, yeah, he likes to play four four two. Maybe it's one of the strikers can be dropping that deep, a little bit deeper at times. Um, but things can be quite. He likes to get crosses in the box. Things can be a little bit rigid at times. But he's all. He likes to be organised. Um, he likes to have that midfield set up in in, in quite a, not not necessarily flat, but a, again a compact, organised manner. Yeah, he likes to be organised. He he wants to get players forward. Fullbacks maybe a little bit more disciplined. You know, there's some, there's some elements there, but it, it does vary depending on availability and, and what players he has at his disposal. I think. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see him use a, a few players slightly differently. Um, of course, any manager coming in is going to be looking at the kind of the quality players we have and the likes of Saar. Um, but yeah, I think the, the main thing you take away from it is it's most likely predominantly going to be a four four two or some variant. Um, so you're looking at how that midfield lines up. You're looking at what striking options we have. Yeah, I mean that's that's pretty much where I'm at with that one. A more defensive shape, Tom? Do you think? Well, I don't know if he's necessarily a defensive manager, is he? But his, his team, certainly that Leicester team was built to counter-attack, wasn't it? That's I'm not going to pretend I've watched him at Nantes. Uh, he wasn't at Fulham very long, and I'm definitely not going to pretend I watched him at Roma or, or Samp with any uh, regularity. So I'm, I'm, I'm basing this purely on Leicester, which admittedly might not be the best thing since, you know, kind of four years out of date now. But that, you know, they were a brilliant counter-attacking side, weren't they? They had some good players, but they were set up in a 4-4-2, and they were certainly kind of greater than the sum of their parts. The 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 emphasis was on getting, you know, getting Jamie Vardy in behind because he had, you know, and still does have that incredible pace and incredible knack of getting in behind, getting people like Mares or people like it was it was Mares on the ball. But you know, he had uh and, and getting him to cut inside as he as he's done, you know, really his whole career and make things happen. But you know, I think the thing that encourages me about that was he he took a squad, he, you know, with the help of Steve Walsh, obviously gets a lot of credit for their recruitment at that time. And, you know, he got some good players into the club and and built a team and, and played to the the strengths of that team and, and got that absolute maximum out of them. So you would say, you know, if you try and compare Leicester to us now, you say, OK, so, you know, is Saar is probably our um, Riyad Mahrez. Do we have someone like Kante? Well, no, plainly not. Um, you know, our fullbacks probably uh, slightly more attack minded and certainly in the case of Kiko than it would have been, what was it, Simpson and Christian Fuchs at the time. So, you know, maybe they will get a bit more license. But I think these days the idea, I think managers always have a, an overriding kind of philosophy and ideology, but it's about tweaking little elements of it, isn't it? And, you know, kind of going, right, this team can do this slightly more than the previous team could you know, maybe they're more comfortable in possession, so we'll, you know, we'll look to hold the ball a bit longer. But I think the key thing is trying to play to the strengths of the team. And I'm not sure that um, was something that, that Chisco was, you know, shrewd enough to do. It, it felt like he was adamant that he was going to keep playing the way he wanted to play, regardless of the relative strengths of the team uh, in, in a higher division. And I think, you know, it's that kind of tactical naivety. And I don't think that's something we, you would be able to accuse someone of Ranieri standing of um, that ultimately cost Chisco. So that's what gives me, you know, a fair amount of optimism if indeed it's Ranieri. Let's hope it's Ranieri because we're, we're going to commit a lot of time to talking about him, aren't we? <laughs> well, I think, I think too, he just brings a slightly more 
kind of a wider point of discipline amongst the team is, is working as a unit, as a team. I think we looked very segregated or separated at times um, under Cisco, especially this season. And I think Ranieri brings a little bit more of a, a working as an 11 rather than kind of in these individual kind of pockets of space where things are quite spread out and, you know, team's not moving, the shape's not great, the spacing is, is a little bit poor. Um, I think Ranieri's a little bit more drilled in that sense. And I think as Tom said there, there's there can be a few more adjustments to his approach depending on what the strengths and weaknesses are of the team. Um, I think, as, as we were trying to say earlier, he'll be looking at how he can use Saar. Maybe it's a position change. Maybe it's kind of looking to rely a little bit more on those wide areas. Um, it's, it's, it would remain to be seen. But I think you can have a little bit more confidence that we'd look a more cohesive unit, um, just in a different kind of approach to what we've been had, what we've had under Cisco. He's not had success everywhere that he's been there, has he, uh, guys? And you, you pointed this out as well, Tom. I mean, I mean, do you think we're we're potentially going to get the uh, the the Ranieri of Fulham rather than the Ranieri of of Leicester? It's so. This is the thing. I, it's so hard to read into those jobs. I always thought after winning the league with Leicester, he would get a bigger job than Nantes, and he started really well there, as I recall, and it kind of tailed off. He was only there for basically a year. Fulham, you know, that was a firefighting job, but they were a basket case club. Well, they still are, but they were a basket case that season particularly, weren't they? Um, then he went to Roma and, you know, that was a short-term job. And I think, to be honest with you, at Roma, he kind of uh, earned, a, you know, some plaudits and, and whatnot for, for doing quite a good job in the in the, in for sort of fairly trying circumstances. They did a fairly poor season. And then, you know, at Sampdoria, well, you know, they're standing in, in, in Serie A is probably about where where he had them, give or take. You know, they're not uh, they're what not one of the powerhouses, certainly. It's very hard. You know, none of these jobs have been um, done for any great length of time. He was only at Samp for kind of 18 months, and that's the longest he's had any of these jobs recently. So it's, it's very hard to read into him. But I think you, you can't help but be impressed by his CV he has managed enormous clubs throughout his career he has won things and I just think if anyone's going to come in with a sense of saying right I can see from the outset this is the problem this is how we're going to fix it this is my plan then I would back someone of his experience to do that eight very difficult games coming up though Jordan realistically Watford have to look at getting some points on the board from that but it's hard to see where they might come from uh yeah it is but I, th- I think um I think you have to try and be optimistic in this situation. We kind of touched on the last podcast too. I think having them in succession isn't necessarily the worst thing. Um, especially, I think, if, if you bring in someone such as Ranieri, it does give you that opportunity to to kind of instill that that philosophy, that system, and, and stick to it through, through a run of games and, and try and kind of maybe pick up some points in places you wouldn't necessarily expect to. And I know it's talked about, it's quite cliche to say they're free hits and maybe we're in the position we're in, we can't really kind of dismiss it as much as free hits. They're a little bit more important than that. Um, we have to kind of look to get something out of them maybe with a little bit more uh, positivity. But um, we can only play what's in front of us now and it's a tough run of fixtures, but personally, I'd rather get them out of the way. So I, I think from a Watford perspective, it's not the worst thing. One of the other cliches that's often rolled out is the new manager bounce, Tom. Well, we've seen this in the past, haven't we? I think back to the, the last Premier League season, obviously Kike came in, didn't he, straight after they sacked Javi Garcia. And we I remember it so clearly. I thought, oh, we, you know, wow, what a, what an improvement. We absolutely battered Arsenal in the second half um, at Vickers Road in that two-all draw, didn't we? So, you know, we've, we've seen it before. I think... You know, I think he will be pragmatic. Is the thing when he won't? I think Chisco has probably paid the price for trying to carry on for you know the way he set up and the way he wanted us to play last season. I think Ranieri will come in and go. Well, hang on, you know this isn't this is a squad that is in the bottom four, five, six in the Premier League. So we have to be realistic about how we're going to set up, and even more so with the run of games we've got. So let's try and you know avoid getting. Would you just hear the train? Do you live in a train station? <laughs> Do you know what? The joke is we're not even that near, but it's the bloody um, Chilton line ones that bloody whistle through and they always honk. So annoying. Um, That's a nice little background setting for you there. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, bloody irritant. People always get it on my calls at work as well. Um, 
Yeah, no, look, he's going to be pragmatic and come in and say, right, this is probably one of the worst five or six squads in the division. So that's where <laughs> we're at. We've got... That sounds pes- pessimistic, doesn't it? I don't mean it like that. For the most optimistic I mean. Watford fan, you're pretty pessimistic. <laughs> yeah. No, sorry, I want to read that. I, I feel like I'm, I'm more at the optimistic end of the scale than pessimistic. Anyway, uh, and that run that we've got coming up, you know, you're going to have to kind of, um, you know, try and sit in and, and be... Uh, fairly resolute and 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 withstand pressure and hit teams on the counter. And we've got plenty of pace and whatnot to hit teams on the counter. We're already one of the more kind of direct teams in the division if you look at the numbers in terms of the kind of number of long passes we attempt uh, per game. So, you know, there's it, nothing wrong with that. It's just about building a, a foundation for something, isn't it? And, and trying to come through these games without, um, you know, any kind of depressing run of defeats and, and, and thrashings. That's anything better than that is a, is a return, I think. And to be honest, it's not really the teams, it's not really the top teams that concern me. I mean, I, I think there there's definitely the possibility we could lose heavily to some of them. But um, in terms of thinking about how we could gain some points, I think the, the performance against Tottenham kind of would have given you some some hope there. It's more the teams around us that have been the issue for me. Um, I mean, I know we've played more of those, but they're the ones that you have to be looking at to get to get points from they're the ones you should be seeing more positive performances against and honestly we performed against some of these teams around us like we're, like we're playing these top teams and we've just kind of capitulated and and just allowed them to be on the front foot and just become very passive and ineffective so if if we have a new manager coming in I think having a run of those games isn't the worst thing and as long as we're prepared for when we come to playing uh, those around us again that's probably the most important thing for me personally. Mm. Baptism of fire for him. Liverpool, the first game, of course, uh, it's been selected for TV, hasn't it? Because everyone's wondering if Watford are going to repeat the uh, the 3-0 victory that they, they they got last time Watford played Liverpool at home. Uh, I mean, who knows? Under Ranieri, with, with the manager bounce that we've talked about, maybe. I'm just glad it's not at Anfield and we, you know, we'd be guaranteed to concede the usual five-plus uh, if it was up there. So, yeah, anything could happen. I think, you know, international break now as well. Obviously, we've got... A, you know, a few players away on international duty, but he will have that that um, that time to work with them and really, you know, set them up almost for a one-off game like that, and 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 really work on the basics. And I'm sure that's what they'll be doing. You know, working on defensive uh, side of the game, working on you know patterns of play and so on, and really just trying to make it as cohesive and and organised and structured as 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 possible. And you you just you just never know, like Liverpool. Good, very good team, but they have they, they do throw in the odd stinker, don't they? So, yeah, roll on, roll on, Liverpool. I do. I I am just thinking too. Like, if I know we're kind of really just throwing ourselves into Ranieri now, it'd be super annoying if it's not in a sense because we've just spent an hour talking about him. But well, I tell you, everyone that said Ranieri, shall I go for all of the different uh, sources? Sure. sure. So uh, Fabrizio Romano has said that uh, it's very likely that Claudio Ranieri is going to be appointed. The talks are ongoing. Sky Sports News are reporting it. Uh, Gianluca Di Marzio is, uh, is saying that Ranieri is ready to come back and he's talking with Watford at the minute. Adam Leventhal is is saying that uh, he understands that Ranieri is an option as well, uh, although it is currently in Italy. So I wonder um, uh, you know, if he has to isolate once he arrives. Um, I'm not exactly sure what the current rules are on that, but um, that's something to think about. Uh, I mean, those are some big names there that that, that believe that um, you know the Ranieri is the the guy that might be coming in. You say talk sport as well. Talk sport as well. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah. That undermines it, if anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, not that. Much. <laughs> yeah, Andros Townsend on talk sport said that. Yeah, no. Oh, well, um, Andros Townsend thinks that's that. Uh, I must admit, when I first saw Ranieri's name come up this morning, when I was down the allotment. Um, the my initial reaction was that's just you know experienced Italian manager out of work right but um, at this stage you kind of think with those some of those names that you mentioned near the top of the list reporting it it's got it's it's bound to happen and probably will have happened by the time this goes out um, but it's normally futile trying to guess the or you know any kind of markets betting for the next Watford manager is usually pretty futile it has to be said. Down the allotments, a nice little insight for any Watford Buzz fan <laughs> in the time of life right now. <laughs> um, I put out a poll, interestingly, um, asking would Ranieri be a good appointment? Uh, 184 votes so far, 60% yes, 40% no. So, you know, uh, hmm. I think I thought I was, expe- was going to expect higher for yes, to be honest. So, um, interesting, 60 40. 
Mm. I've actually got a couple of questions if you want to go through some questions. Yeah, here. let's go through some questions. Uh, shall, I, shall I read them out for you, Jordan? Sure. I've not even read them yet. So. you two that are answering them. Yeah. I mean, what do I know? Sure. Guys, nothing. <laughs> oh, come on, Matt. You can ask these questions as well. Uh, okay. So um, let's start with Peter at Peter WFC Fan. He says, performances have been woeful. Even at Villa and Norwich, there were times you think, where is the club's identity? The club gave him a chance, but he fell short. Uh, presumably talking about Zisco here. Having said that, the lack of sufficient investment in the defensive area is one area that's not been addressed properly. Um, Jordan, you spoke about this recently. So how about Tom? What's your opinion on that one? I think, to be honest, that's all fair. And, and the defence is the thing. I know a lot of people, and I just in the time I've been on some catching up, as I said, the, uh, the time I've been pausing with you chaps, I retweeted Luan's thread, which I thought was pretty much nail on the head for me and you know the midfield is one of the things that was mentioned the lack of a real kind of holding midfielder but I also think the fact that we've come back to the Premier League to all intents and purpose with most of the same defence that we went down with two years ago that is concerning for me we all knew that um, you know good though he was last season there were big flaws to Truce de Kong's game. We all knew that Sierra was untrusted. That I mean, that's one of the weird things, isn't it? The treatment of him. You know, we all knew that Messina, Feminia, uh, Cathcart, Cabaselli were part of a team that got miserably, miserably relegated two years ago. So, or two seasons ago, I should say. So, you know, it's to, to completely leave that part of the team untouched just because we were good defensively last season. To me, yeah, that is poor. Uh, and has, has set him and whoever comes in now up for you know a tough period. Not just that, Tom, as well, and also an in, in injury prone back, uh, injury prone defense yeah. too. I mean, we've got a lot of Big players, time. and they you don't feel confident being able to put in kind of high numbers of minutes over the course of the season when you have you, you know all these centre backs are gonna are gonna miss five six weeks at a time or you know yeah. two games out with a hamstring tweak or a groin a groin a groin pull or a knee injury you know these aren't these aren't a, a group of centre backs or especially obviously we have issues at right back with Firmino too but this is not a group of defenders that you can you can guarantee being there for every minute like you know say some clubs have I me mean, the likes of Burnley or something have good injury records in that centre back position. This is a, a team that's going to, have to be switching around quite a lot, and when you start losing guys early on in the season, um, you, you suddenly find yourself in a very compromised position. And I think if there's one area of the pitch you'd like to have a little bit of consistency, it's defence, and especially that centre back position. Um, it's actually kind of one of the points that that we really started to grow from uh, with Cisco as well, wasn't it? When we had Trista Kong and Serie mm-hmm. started playing together, um, that was kind of one of the foundations of the team. And I think that's we were able to see how good Serie was once he was able to consistently play. Um, having that change and, and finding ourselves in a different position is, is frustrating and it's it's not good to not have that depth there because we're going to be calling upon it pretty soon and for all we know right now uh, Syriata could be out for a month or two we don't even know um, so we're suddenly asking these guys to, to get in there and play and, and try and stay healthy mm. I think one point that should be made is that um, Cisco obviously is a head coach not a, not a manager and we don't know if he you know he, he may have made the point that uh, he, he might have needed more defensive cover and it would have been up to you know the yeah this is a club, club issue to, uh, to try and source that and, and they've clearly not done that so you know I mean I'm not saying here that Cisco didn't uh, you know say that he, he he needed defensive cover but um, he he may have felt he was fine and and that might have been why Watford didn't didn't make those decisions as well but um, you know it, it, it's it's a it's a two way street here that um, no I think you I think you're right the first time Matt I think no no person in, no no coach in, in Cisco's position is not going to be wanting more. Um, and I think it's a club gamble. Um, it's a recruitment. It's a way of balancing the recruitment uh, strategy and finding ways to bring players in uh, and fund other areas. They decided to, to kind of tread a little lightly on that on that positional group and allowed us to go in with it into it with forced players in that position. And that's the risk we took. And we're getting we're you know we're getting punished for it. And that's that's a gamble you have to be prepared to take. And you know it's not paying off for us right now. But um, from a manager perspective or sorry a head coach perspective. Um, there's no way they're not going to be wanting for more, uh, wanting more. Sorry, from that position or any position for that matter, uh, if they're if they're kind of a little bit light. So I, I don't put any of that blame on Cisco at all in recruitment or anything in general. I think we're talking about a completely separate department from the coaching side. Okay, cool. Uh, another question here. This one from Jeremy Keats. He says we seem to have lacked a strategy on the pitch at times, uh, and he felt he uh, never really had a clear approach to games. Uh, Zisco, this is he's talking about. Yeah, I think we I think we discussed that, didn't we, pretty heavily. I think yeah, Jeremy's pretty much spot on. 
um, we weren't prepared enough, and it's it's a league we have to go down to the, the absolute minute details of every situation to try and find ways to win. And I don't think we were kind of doing that enough. Um, based on what we saw on the pitch, it, it was quite evident we weren't. Uh, Frank has a question here. He says, "What are your thoughts on people turning on others in our fan base for buying into the Pozzo philosophy regarding sacking of managers? Do you feel it's a bit hypocritical considering it does normally work out well for us?" This is one of the worst things to come of any kind of Watford, and it's not exclusive to Watford, but the general sort of sniping and bickering among Watford fans and, you know, implying that you're not a fan because you disagree with another fan's opinion. Everyone's entitled to an opinion. Personally, I'm firmly in the camp of you can't argue with what the the model has delivered for us over this, well, it's going to be 10 years next year, isn't it? You can't argue with what that's delivered and someone tweeted this and I retweeted this as well. I just retweet other people's thoughts and then boil them as my own, but it's, it's completely There's true. There's not much you signal know. the allotment is there to start typing. No, that's it. That's it. Exactly. <laughs> my fingers were too muddy. Um, you know, we, what we've achieved over the last decade with the Potsos in charge is, is, is it bears out it's you know the 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 can you hear my doorbell ringing there? is that your doorbell it's the <laughs> entry, entry system phone entry system hang on that's throw to throw a conductor there's <laughs> another train wanting to come through jordan <laughs> tom is in fact a gardener and a train conductor so it's, it's a <laughs> try to get him on the back. podcast isn't easy yeah that's true you got you better leave that in there matt people need to know Need to know. Is that was that really audible to you guys? Yeah. yeah, I could barely hear it through my headphones. I'm crying out loud. Oh, of course, because the, <laughs> my microphone's picking it up, isn't it? That's usually how the sound works. Yeah, that that will <laughs> that will be the one, won't it? Oh, okay. They do tend to do that, Tom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Continue. Right. Yeah. So in summary, look, don't fight amongst yourselves. It's fine to be pro potso policy. It's fine to be anti potso policy but we have well the one thing we have to be in this season particularly because it's going to be evidently be a tough season is united and i just think it sounds corny and cliched and whatnot you're not you know having fights amongst ourselves on social media just is not conducive to any sort of positivity off or on the field so grow up um yeah i think i can I, I do agree um i think the people that are maybe more against it are I think it's a difficult situation because some of Watford's best times, arguably the best times for Watford, have come under uh, under Grant Taylor, which is a manager that everyone got around. It was kind of there was that consistency, there, that continuity, um, and people kind of fell in love with that romanticized situation. Where now I think people just have been, and as a club and as a fan base, I think it's fair to say you always look to replicate those good moments. And I think having a, a figurehead, a, a manager in place that's central to all of that. Um, it is part of that kind of history and part of that memory. So when you then have to adapt and, and take a different approach to kind of recapture some of that success, uh, it's maybe a little bit of a hard adjustment. And I think, you know, the, the head coach or the manager, they're, they're that person you look at, he's kind of the, the face of the club in, in that period. So um, you do get m- maybe attached or you kind of feel a little bit more towards them. So when they go, it can it can be a little bit, it can be disappointing. It can You can feel a sense of loss there, especially if you like the character of the person too. Um, aside of just the results uh, so some people you know are a little bit more in that camp of wanting to stick with someone and feel that that's the way forward and other people I think are a little bit more open to the idea of of, of changing that approach but I think what is clear is that um, since they since they came in we decided to since the Potters came in they decided to, to take that approach of, of finding the manager that suits the situation we're in um, I think we've tried we've kind of varied a little bit and we've struggled to kind of stay on track with that at times and We've maybe tried to adapt or grow or change course slightly, and I've discussed before. I think when you go half measures on these things, it can it can bite you, and it's it's not quite worked out, uh, especially recently. Um, bringing Cisco in when we did was good, but I think in previous seasons or five years ago, I mean, see Jakanovic, we would have cut ties when we got the when we got promoted and got the Premier League because we would know. Uh, going into it, it wasn't the the situation that best supported what we needed to see on the pitch going into this new season. So uh, you can you can get in both camps. I understand it, but I think arguing amongst each other is is not particularly worth it or beneficial because you're not changing people's opinions anyway. Um, and I don't think either one is necessarily invalid. But what we do know is that that is what we're going to be going with ongoing. I would I would imagine. Um, and 
this is just going to be another one of those situations where Ranieri is going to come in and or whoever it is and most likely reassess in the summer. We just have to get on board with it, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, another question from uh, Chris this time. Uh, of the bookies' favourites, who would you say is the most likely to click with their preferred tactics and style? Um, shall I read through some of the other um, potential yeah, yeah, go on. Uh, manager? Let's, let's go for the manager odds, shall we? So, um, Currently, this is with Sky Betts. Uh, Claudio Ranieri is at uh, 1-5. to five. Uh, then it's Diego Martinez, seven to two, Paolo Finesca, fourteen to one, Eddie Howe at sixteen to one, uh, and Frank Lampard at sixteen to one. So those are the the top five. Um, I would say it's unlikely that Frank Lampard's coming to Watford personally, um, but I think the other four potentially could. But I mean, the fact that uh, Claudio Ranieri is so high there. Uh, it seems almost like it's a done deal, doesn't it? But um, what's your opinion of the other of the other guys? Do any of them, um, as the question to ask from Chris, uh, any of those do you think with their style click better with with what Watford have to offer at the minute? Well, I think Diego Martinez would be more interesting, definitely. Um, Who is he, and, and, and what does he do? And you know, former Granada manager, football manager, former Granada. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. I was just, I was saying it. I was just being a dickhead and saying he's a football manager when you said, what does he do? <laughs> I, I only know that he's ex-Granado. I don't know anything about any of them. Paolo Fonseca, ex-Roma and Shakhtar. So Jordan's probably best to... Well, he's, he's ex... I mean, Martinez specifically is the ex-Granado manager. And mm. uh, we imagine during this time, of you know, a couple of seasons ago, well, 2020... 2019 um, period and last season where Granada saw a lot of success and he was he was you know really forward thinking interesting manager he he really did well in Spanish football and I think a lot of uh, a lot of supporters at Granada were quite hopeful about how things were progressing and obviously got them into into Europe and there was lots of positives to take away from it and I think in general he's just quite an exciting prospect for for numerous clubs um, I know him a little bit from being. Uh, I'm kind of a, quite. I'm a Sevilla fan. Sevilla fan as well. Um, in terms of La Liga football, I enjoy watching them. I've followed them quite closely for a number of years, and he was always talked about as a real uh, positive and hopefully future successor for the for the first team. But he was at Sevilla B for a while, and he was also the assistant in in 2012 as well. And there's lots of kind of positive talk around him. He he felt like he was going to be the next big thing. So going off to Osasuna and Granada, I think was quite good for his development, and it, it seemed that his trajectory has been quite good. So to come to us, I think would be quite a positive move. However. Um, I do wonder if we're actually in the position right now where his approach and, and his style would, would benefit us in, in the sense that I, I think we'd need that in a little bit more of a stable situation right now. I, I hate to say it, but I do think we're in a position where we need someone a little bit more pragmatic and conservative. As boring as that is, I think we're just talking about purely results. I, I can see the mindset of going into someone like Ranieri over Martinez, even though um, from a longer term perspective, I would I'd rather the the, uh, the latter in Martinez. Paolo Fonseca is 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 third. Yeah, he was. I think was he Roma manager? He was Roma manager before um, Mourinho went in there, wasn't he? Kind of had his contract allowed to run down at the end of last season. They appointed Mourinho, and previously did very well with Shakhtar. I don't don't think he was a resounding success at Rome, well, obviously wasn't because they, they got rid of him and brought Jose Mourinho in, um, but did very well at Shakhtar over a period and played some pretty decent attacking football by all accounts. But I think, you know, they're a very strong team in a, in a considerably weaker league. So I don't know how much it could read into him. I don't know if Jordan's got more insight than than that. Yeah, I, I'm not really sure. I don't really, see, I don't really see this one being feasible, honestly. I, was, was, am I right in thinking that he was in talks with Tottenham for a while? He was, yeah. Was that? Was that? Yeah. yeah. I just, I just don't know. I, I get the link. But I, I can see where you draw these two together, but I'm, I'm not sure that it's really a fit um, for what, what he would want and what we would want. Honestly, I'm not quite sure if that's more than just kind of linking to an available name with an available job. Mm. At, yeah. at this stage of his career, it feels like Watford would be a, a downward step. After a little bit, yeah. And I, I don't know that. I don't know. We can, yeah. I, I just don't. See, it doesn't really make much sense to me. I, I mean, we'll probably appoint him now. <laughs> <laughs> probably. And then, um, obviously, Eddie Howe. You, you know, English manager out of work has managed in the Premier League. I think we were we were linked with him last time, weren't we as well? Yeah. I, it's it's what what's the gain from Eddie Howe in this position? I think he's his stock is for. I mean, you can debate whether it should be or not, but his stock is still high enough that he could get a a good job somewhere. Um, and and 
going to Watford, I think at this point, it's just a big risk for him. I don't think he's that desperate to work right now. I don't, I don't really see uh, the benefit from his perspective. So I think that's pretty unlikely. So not to your question, Chris, it's likely to be Ranieri unless, I mean, what often happens is that, you know, as we all know, is that, uh, you know, we'll start talking about one person uh, and then somebody who's not even on this list or potentially down in 20th or something that we haven't even paid any notice to will suddenly be appointed and we're like, what? Who's yeah. that guy? But um, yeah, but I, I will say if if Martinez was appointed, that would be, I'll, I could easily get behind it too. That's, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, and then a question from John here. He says, uh, if the next coach, whoever that is, gets less than seven points in uh, in the next seven games, do we then sack him or, or her? Um, probably a reference to the fact that, uh, you know, Cisco has been has been sacked, obviously, after what some people would would would, would perceive as getting a decent number of points for, for the games played. Personally, I think uh, I would take seven points from the next seven games. I don't know about you. Yeah, of course. But it's, it's a yeah. moving scale, isn't it? You can't, it's not the same. I mean, I think John's kind of being tongue-in-cheek here with this question, but it... I might be wrong, maybe he's not, but... I think he is, yeah. Yeah. Um, you can't... It's so overly simplistic to judge on that On that set. Yeah, if we if we average 7.7 games the whole season, if that's what you want to do, fine. But that's that's not a, a fair way to quantify performance levels. Um, we've, we've discussed, right, kind of quite clearly how varying those performances have been and how poor some of them, some of them have been. You, I think we're definitely quite lucky to come away with seven points. We're also not be playing the same seven teams every time. So it's it's just not a, a good way of judging things. Maybe if you're judging a points per game when it comes to half of the season, you played every team maybe, but there's just too many factors to consider. Um, I, I think you have to you have to look away from the points when you're assessing how coaches are doing and look at the performances because you're trying to predict and project where things are going towards um, or you know whether that be positive or negative um, and points almost become irrelevant to that because there have been situations where we've gained points um, and, and not felt like we're playing well and you know there's an, an inevitable drop um, and it's always happened and there's, there's been some occasions where it's been the opposite way around where you, you feel like results aren't there but you can feel like it's coming you can be a little bit more confident you have to look at this from a much more nuanced opinion than just simply points uh, over seven games two more questions uh, one for each of you this one for yourself Tom uh, and it's come mm. from Easy Mark 2010 he says we've been here so many times before is there a point where the Podsos have done so much for the club etc etc begins to wear thin and is this it? Knock his personal opinion. He wants to stress, but um, he's sure that it crosses some people's minds. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course there is. Uh, and and this is the thing. This is why people are entitled to different opinions. Um, but for me, and this is why I said, you know, look at what we've been through over the years, the semi-finals, the final, the Leicester game, uh, two promotions. You know, this has been probably, fans will probably correct me now, but... Really, apart from one of the either of the GT eras, this is the most successful period in the club's history, right? Like, realistically, so I don't think it's, I don't think it's at that stage yet. But of course, if the if the the end result is not justifying the means, then you have to have that. You have to ask that question. But I, you know, there's nothing in my mind or in in the way I view it that makes me think that is ever likely to become a possibility. So. Um, no, at the moment, no, but it, it's it's a valid perspective, absolutely. And one question for yourself, Jordan. And Tom, you can come in on this one if you want as well, but uh, Jordan, I think you'll see why I've given this one to you. Matt Gom says, our squad has been set up and recruited for a 4-3-3, uh, in brackets and variations, but reading that Ranieri plays 4-4-2, is this going to be square holes, round pegs again? Being 69, um, Claudio Ranieri won't probably change his tactics, so can our squad be successful slash good enough with a 4-4-2? Um, I, I think if you look at some of the key components, look, I actually don't think it's a bad thing. Um, <clears throat> you look at the key components of, of some of the, the members of the squad we have right now and how they'd fit into that system. Um, midfield, we just lost a midfielder for a, a good portion of the seasons. So we're one guy down already. Switching to a system that relies on two midfielders rather than three maybe wouldn't be the worst. Um, we have players that are capable of playing there, uh, especially when the four four two that midfield four and that then two centre mids become a, a much more a much more rounded player. They have to be someone that can that can play in a, a multiple facets of the, of the midfield, multiple areas, um, like we've seen previously with Capu. Um, you can have some variation in the two, but they have to be able to cover that ground and and, and be a little bit more a little bit more box to box or just more varied. Um, 
I think that suits the likes of Sissoko, uh, Kushka, uh, even even Luzer, Luzer can perform in there too. He's he's had experience playing himself in that formation, that system. Um, and honestly, we were looking at that mid- midfield three, which is really lacking um, that creativity and that balance you'd like to find from having three in midfield. To switch into a two, I think suits our midfield. Um, and even as I said there, Tufan can also perform in there as well. So don't feel bad about that. Um, you still allow yourself to play with some wing play. Um, maybe maybe have a little bit more restriction on, on, on how far they can advance and maybe that kind of shackles Saar a little bit but you can also compensate that and, and find ways to, to get some balance there and allow him to play forward maybe even play in one of those central spots you, you don't know um, in, in terms of the front two uh, well that can that can vary a lot as well um, I know that he's he's also kind of played around with having a little bit of a deeper um, striker which would suit someone like Jao Pedro for example um, we have forward options Dennis can play centrally Chucha Hernandez can play cent- centrally or from the right off the left sorry um, so I think we have options and, and that front line can be quite quite effective as we've seen as a three um, there's no reason that it can't perform as a two as well um, I don't think that switch in shape is necessarily a bad thing and, and as Tom was touching on earlier I don't think that Ranieri is necessarily someone that's extremely against bending his philosophy somewhat to fit in uh, the, the quality areas of the team he's managing uh, and that's honestly something we really really desperately need Good stuff thanks very much Jordan for that um... I did sorry I did get one more question which is actually um, it's 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 pretty much been covered already um, but it, I just wanted to shout out uh, El Chacal <laughs> I think is his name sorry for my Spanish pronunciation there, but he he asked what sort of setup would expect from Ranieri and um, if it's a four four two and such, which I think we've covered. But I wanted us to say thanks for sending in the question, nonetheless. Thanks very much. And we've uh, also had another review for the Watford FC <laughs> Buzz podcast. Uh, I'm going to read it out. It's a five star review from Jamie Hornet. Thanks, Jamie Hornet. He says, uh, "Love this podcast and gives great tactical insight, which is missing in other pods." He thinks the chemistry between the hosts is great. But uh, he would, he would be, it would be even better if they could release episodes regularly each week. <laughs> Keep it up, he says. Um, well, that yeah. make, that explains a five out of ten. To be fair, man. thanks, Jamie Hornet. Uh, well, if you remember, Jordan, uh, five is the best you can get. But uh, it was, are you going oh, back on, on on what we said last time? But how it should be a five out, of, it should be a, a ten out of ten. Uh, we don't even get the ten option. Five is the best you can give us because we are just bang average, honestly. <laughs> at best. Oh. Um, Tom, thanks again for joining us. Thank you. Sorry it's been so long. I am busy and I don't really watch the football, so <laughs> it's difficult for me to contribute anything of note. Good. I mean, fair. Very fair. Uh, Jordan, uh, thanks again for yourself. Um, you know, anything you'd like to you'd like to close on? Yeah, just just obviously thanks to Tom dragging himself away from the allotment. I know it's it's tough. <laughs> um, if you are interested, obviously feel feel free to check out Tom's YouTube channel. Um, allotment Tom. <laughs> It's a good one. It's uh, it's not for everyone. It's a niche, it's a niche channel. But he does a good job, and honestly, I think you've come a long way with that. Videography has got a lot better, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's 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 well worth a watch. So um, please feel free to support Tom uh, in any way you can. Yeah, there's also a live feed as well, so you can see exactly what Tom's doing on his a lot. Yeah, mine kept cutting out the other day actually when I was watching, but it was um, it was interesting that your, your carrot yield was pretty good, Tom. <laughs> Oh, trying to think of something witty to say but struggling yeah that's, that probably means that we should all finish now doesn't it it um, does yeah yeah well you can find Jordan at Jordan Weimer on Twitter uh, Tom is available at TB Burdell on Twitter um, please hound them and tell them um, I don't know whatever you fancy <laughs> wherever you want just nice if you need only. please follow us as well at Watford Pod uh, and if you haven't left a review yet on iTunes, uh, why not go to iTunes and, and leave us a review just like Jamie Hornet did uh, and tell us how, how great or how awful we are. Um, remember, five stars uh, is, 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 is acceptable because um, we, we always go by a 10 out of 10 rate, don't we? So, so uh, we take five, five out of 10 as average. We need to give some sort of like, I think we need to have some sort of season ticket holder group for those that write reviews they're in an elite section right now we should give them a little shout out at the beginning of the episode all reviews get a little shout out just so we say thanks for uh not sure why that's even that good yeah, to even have, but, uh, why not all right well thanks thanks, thanks jamie for being the newest season for kind of getting a newest season ticket and, and being part of this uh this club it means a lot for us uh, i don't even know what i'm saying now just cut me out <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks again. Um, We will see you after the international break and after the Liverpool game, hopefully to talk about uh, a Watford win. Um, It could be. Um, We'll also be discussing, of course, uh, how cloudy... Pardon me. How 
We'll also be discussing, of course, how Claudio Ranieri, uh, you know, has taken charge of his first Watford game. and, and If how, he gets appointed, If Matt. he gets appointed. You know what? We keep banging on about this. I really I hope that he We're really going to shoot ourselves in the foot if this is... If this, this is it's going to be very frustrating if Ranieri doesn't get appointed now. You know what, though? It will be very funny for everyone to listen to this going, yeah, oh, you guys, you idiots. You didn't yeah. even get appointed. You're talking about all this stuff. But, um, there must be... There's an opportunity for us to, to maybe do a podcast about whoever's appointed as well at some point, Yeah, there should be... I mean, look, we'll, we'll definitely try and get a podcast out if it turns out that Ranieri was appointed and someone else was, so we can chat about how that person might be able to turn around Watford's um, start. I mean, I... Mean, I I'm looking at the table and I'm thinking that you know we're we're well placed, but of course you have to take into consideration who we've played, um, performances that haven't been great. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it's hard for me to say that Watford have had a bad start to the season because I feel like they, you know, they haven't. It's had not just about the start; it's where you think they're going, though, isn't it? That's, yeah, that's it. Exactly. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. The trajectory. Mm. As a bachelor football club, we've got to move on these things quickly. <laughs> That's true. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Rebound manager. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks again, guys. And uh, we'll see you uh, next time. For now, it's goodbye from myself. Goodbye from Jordan. Goodbye from Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.